0: Welcome to Merrick's Experts. The podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China.
1: Hello and thanks for tuning in. I'm Ruth Kirchner. You're listening to a special series of podcasts on China's core executive or top leadership, a series that is part of our coverage of an international conference at Merrick's. Held in June. Today, I want to find out how much power Xi Jinping really has within the Communist Party, especially in the upper echelons like the Central Committee. With me to discuss this is Victor She, Professor of Political Economy at the University of California, San Diego. Welcome, Professor She. Let's start with Xi Jinping's anti corruption campaign. A campaign not only to root out corruption, but also to consolidate Xi's power. On the letter, how successful has he been, do you think?
0: So far, I mean, despite the fact that many officials have fallen, he mainly has been able to get rid of many of his obvious enemies and their followers because party procedures dictate that only during a party congress will you see a large number of promotion into the Central Committee and also the Politburo. He has not been able to promote too many of his followers since the 18th Party Congress into high-level positions. Uh, We expect that to happen at the 19th Party Congress, that he will be able to promote quite a few of his followers into the Central Committee, as well as the Politburo, and even the Standing Committee of the Politburo, which, uh, as we all know, is the highest organ of power uh, in China. Nonetheless, what I argue in some of my research is that his faction is very limited in size. And so even if he is able to promote many of his followers into high-level offices, it still will not be enough for him to completely dominate, for example, the Central Committee. The influence of his faction in the Central Committee almost certainly will be less than the influence of Hu Jintao's faction when Hu Jintao was the Party Secretary General of China.
1: So you say his influence or the influence of his faction within the Central Committee is still limited. But from the outside, it appears very differently. I mean, he's pictured as the strong man of China, the man who has centralized power. How do you explain that contradiction?
0: I don't think it's a contradiction. I think he realized the weakness of his faction, the fact that it is smaller. And so in anticipation of that, he has centralized power to the office of the party secretary general. So instead of relying on a broader base support, as Hu Jintao did at the Central Committee level, he has moved all the power from the Central Committee and even from the State Council and other organs into directly into the Office of Party Secretary General by naming himself as the chairman of various leading groups on all the different policy areas. So here you know, we have something in political science we call this endogenous institutional evolution. So institutional change is not an outside shock. And instead, institutional changes, in this case in China, is because politicians know where their strengths and weaknesses are and they have decided to change institutions in a way that best benefit their own power. And we saw Xi Jinping basically doing this by moving all the real decision-making power from a low level into his own hand because he knew that his faction is relatively weak compared to Hu Jintao's faction.
1: You, you mentioned Hu Jintao, then who are the other factions and do they pursue a completely different uh, policy line or direction from Xi Jinping or from Xi Jinping's faction?
0: The smaller factions, they tend to focus on control over certain sectors in the government or in the economy. Li Peng's family, for example, is well known to control the electricity sector in China. Zhou Yongkang, uh, the person, of course, internal security head, so he controlled internal security as well as the oil sector where he had many years of experience. And Jiang Zemin really spent a lot of effort trying to control the PLA. And I think part of the reason why Xi Jinping's rise to power was so rapid, actually, as soon as he took The formal position of Party Secretary General was because he probably had more support within the military than people realize. Uh, And so as a result, he's able to consolidate power.
1: Now, Xi Jinping did move against Zhou Yongkang and his faction. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Zhou Yongkang is out of the picture or has been out of the picture for quite a long time. So even with his faction within the Central Committee being still fairly small, how successful then has Xi Jinping been in moving against the factionalism within the upper echelons of power?
0: Yeah, I think he has been very, very successful. Mm -hmm. And I think the removal of Zhou Yongkang was a very, very strong signal because uh, many of us outside observers, certainly prior to the fall of Zhou Yongkang, we thought that would never happen. Xi Jinping's rise to power has really been helped by the, the missteps of Zhou Yongkang and by the fact that other people in the leadership also wanted to get rid of Zhou Yongkang because he was seen as such a powerful state within the state and a menace to the continual existence of the Chinese Communist Party. And so you you have this large coalition of people at that time, uh, around the transition time in 18th Party Congress, who supported the removal of Zhou Yongkang. But once it was done, the biggest challenger to Xi Jinping's power was also gone. And with you know other political connections that Xi Jinping had, he was then able to eliminate, or at least neutralize the other factions fairly easily.
1: Now you said earlier that uh, Xi Jinping has, as we know, created all these uh, new leading groups on reform and committees that he is chairing, has created almost like a parallel power structure, if you like. Is there within the more formal forums of power like the Central Committee, is there any pushback against that? Because these more formal forums are in effect being sidelined.
0: There is and there isn't. I think, formally speaking, the ministers and vice ministers and also even the state council vice premiers and premier, of course, would not dare to outright and publicly criticize this restructuring of power that would be very dangerous it would be immediately grounds for removal from office because after all they're all good communist party member and they're all supposed to absolutely obey decisions made by the higher levels and of course the highest level is Xi Jinping right now but informally and in a subtle way there has been criticism you know we've seen some articles appear in publications Criticizing not in China, but you know, a historical study of you know decision making in the Soviet Union or in some other country about how dictatorial power is bad. Uh, some of these articles clearly could be interpreted as a criticism against uh, Xi's restructuring of power. Having said that, I would say, well, maybe Xi Jinping doesn't care about this, right? Because this this kind of criticism is very subtle, and he's very powerful. So why should he care? I think in order for this criticism to be consequential. She will need to fail in something very seriously. So, so if there is a big policy misstep that we see in the next year or so, then perhaps the criticism will become more obvious. This is Merrick's Experts.
1: With me is Professor Victor Hsieh of the University of California, San Diego. We're discussing how much power Xi Jinping has within the Communist Party. Professor Shi, with Xi wielding so much power as chairman of everything, basically, does it actually make controlling the party and governing China really easier for him?
0: Again, I mean, I think the answer is yes and no. I think from a subjective perspective, for him, it feels easier because he can issue order and it seems like they will be carried out. But in reality, I think it's just as challenging, if not more challenging, to make good policies in China today with this concentration of decision-making power in the hands of the leading groups and in the hands of Xi Jinping himself. Because after all, he is one person. He cannot possibly know a lot about everything. I think there are certain things that he knows a lot about, uh, internal politics of the Communist Party. I think he... He's a well-studied student of that, uh, from being a princeling and from watching the dynamics of elite politics from the time when he was a little child. He probably knows something about the military and how to obtain control over the military. But in terms of economic policies, environmental policies, health policies, I mean, I I think it's impossible for any single human being, you know, to know everything about everything. But the problem is that he, of course, has some preconceived notions or preferences about all of these policies. The problem is that once he expresses his preference for something then all the technocrats whether they truly agree with these preferences or not will will agree with it right and no one basically will dare to disagree outright with something that Xi Jinping has expressed a preference for and we're seeing what we call an echoing chamber effect in policy making are you worried then that China could
1: turn into some sort of dictatorship under Xi Jinping
0: I think it has already. I mean, you know, it's always been a dictatorship of some sort, you know, except perhaps under Hu Jintao, especially in the last administration, it was more of an oligarchy. Uh, I think the comparison between Xi and Deng is unfair because Deng actually also ruled in an oligarchy. He shared power with, you know, the other elders, so to speak, in the 1980s. Jiang Zemin also shared power to some degree. And Xi Jinping has been the most dictatorial leader of China since the death of Mao, So I think China is a dictatorship.
1: Now, you already mentioned the 19th Party Congress that is scheduled to take place next year. What should we as China watchers then look out for at the 19th Party
0: Congress? One of the biggest things besides, you know, how many of his own followers will get promoted into the Politburo and the Standing Committee is whether he's going to try to shrink the size of the Politburo Standing Committee. Right now, there are seven people in it. And if he is able to accomplish shrinking the size of the public real standing committee to five people and then promoting two, three, maybe even four <laughs> of his followers into the public real standing committee, then, then I think even more so than today, after the 19th Party Congress, she uh, will have absolute power within the party.
1: And then finally, looking ahead to the next five or 10 years, where do you see China going and would Xi Jinping still be in charge?
0: Yeah, I think it's quite possible that either formally or informally, Xi Jinping will stay on uh, as de facto leader of China, even beyond the 20th Party Congress, when supposedly, you know, according to the norms established in, in the recent 10 years or so, he should retire. But actually, in the party constitution, there's nothing that says that the party secretary general ever needs to retire. So it's quite possible that he can pull up Brezhnev and basically stay in power until, you know, the 21st, 22nd Congress and and so on and so forth. What that will do to Chinese society and Chinese Communist Party, I think that would have profound, profound uh, influence. Because usually a lifelong dictator, their first interest is to maintain stability. I think it's quite possible for Chinese society and even the economy to move back toward the China of the early 1980s, you know, by no means completely cut off in the world, but certainly very limited amount of exchanges and travel, social interaction with the outside world and more limited sort of economic and commercial exchanges uh, with the outside world, especially at a time when, you know, China no longer has the comparative advantage in terms of trade. Foreign direct investment into China has been going down anyway. So a continual, very conservative leadership in China will just reinforce these trends. And from within the party, I think we will see this kind of degeneration that we saw in the late Soviet period, which in the short term may not be a big deal. But as we saw in the Soviet Union, it's just led to all kinds of problems.
1: So, uh, Xi Jinping and the power question. Uh, we'll have to wait for the 19th and maybe even the 20th Party Congress to see where Xi Jinping is taking the Communist Party and China. Victor Shi, thanks for your analysis. That was Professor Victor Scher of the University of California, San Diego. His essay on efforts at Exterminating Factionalism under Xi Jinping is published as part of the Merix Papers on China. Details are on our website. And with that, thanks for listening. Do join us again. My name is Ruth Kirchner. Bye for now.
0: You have been listening to Merix Experts, the podcast from the Mercator Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merix.org.